0: Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby and this is the official Fox Rugby podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Thank you very much. The dulcet tones of Greg Clark, as we say, welcome to Christy Doran and Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. Gentlemen, uh, terrific to see you once again.
1: Great
2: to be here. Great to be here. Everyone looking good and uh, yeah, a great weekend of rugby to reflect on.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to talking to Tony Brown shortly. He's our special guest on the podcast.
0: Indeed. Uh, Yeah, Tony Brown and uh, obviously what's happened with the Sunwolves in the last week or so. And he's got two hats to wear. We might talk to him about his hat later on as well. (laughs) Two hats to wear. Stop it. Um, He is also uh, an assistant coach with uh, the Japan team as we head towards Rugby World Cup. 2019 on fox sports and um yeah we'll talk to tony about the sunwolves and the tars and then of course uh, the rebels and the reds uh big local derby in brisbane on saturday night we're also going to mull over some wallaby selections and that will be an interesting discussion with scott johnson uh, clocking in for work and he will be in brisbane on saturday night uh, so he will have no doubt his views on how the wallaby team will look going forward to the Fox Rugby Podcast. And if you like what you've been hearing on the Fox Rugby Podcast over the last few weeks, don't forget to uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We really appreciate any feedback you have, and I know that uh, the pod with Simon Cron last week uh, attracted a lot of feedback. People love listening to Crony.
2: Oh, absolutely. The uh, the real tragics out there are, are just absolutely frothing at all that talk of rolling wall defence, and um, <laughs> long may it continue. I don't, I don't know what's going
0: on, but uh, Simon really spells it out nicely. So. He's,
1: he spells it out nicely, and they're doing an all right job, particularly off the back of the weekend just gone.
0: What a win it was uh, for the Tars over the Crusaders, so ending the Crusaders' record run of 19 in a row. And I think there will... I don't want to take away from the Waratahs' effort, and we shouldn't do that, but I think there will be a little parenthesis next to this result forevermore um, based on the fact that it was the first time the Crusaders were back in the jersey since the Christchurch attacks. And, and I remember saying to George Gregan and Rod Kafer on Super Saturday in the post game on Saturday night, we will never know What impact those eight days had on that Crusaders' performance?
1: Well, it was interesting. We actually before that, we we I joined you uh, in between a break at one point in time, and that was discussed. How much would what would the Crusaders be doing, and how much would it take away? And I think the consensus of what Kafe and George were saying would you know the the important thing is that they don't um, you know make too much of a deal of it, and you know their anxiety goes too far.
0: Well, uh, and in the end, I don't think it was anxiety. it seemed to be from about the half hour mark. They they look spent physically, and it's that emotional energy that that they probably didn't even know that they were expending over that week or so. But just you know, watching the news and and talking about it with families, talking about it with friends, talking about it with with teammates, with and it's the media. always with the media, always on the mind. You know, there was nowhere to escape, nor would they have wanted to. You know, it's something that happened in in their environment, in their city. But that that emotional toll that, that must have been paid at some stage.
2: Yeah, only they would know exactly you know what went on and their the collective feelings. I mean, it's such a, a you know one guy might have been feeling perfectly fine and normal, and the, ne- the guy next to him might have been a, an absolute mess. You just don't don't know. But I think a lot of people were expecting all, you know that emotion to to actually be a, a real problem for the Waratahs and just thought the Crusaders might completely um run, run away with the game. So yeah, I, I think there's no yeah no harm and and. Focusing more on what the Waratahs did exactly because they right. they really did apply a lot of pressure on a greasy greasy night and crucially. Got in front early, and that forced the Crusaders with without uh, their normal number ten, steering them around, um, forced them to to you know chase the game a little bit, and it, and it uh, didn't work out. So yeah, a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, but I think the Waratahs and their new defence coach Steve Tandy um, and the work he's been doing deserve a lot of a lot of credit for the way that the Crusaders uh, played.
1: It goes to show if you don't have a, your star ten, your star playmaker who's there every week leading you around, that you know teams aren't necessarily all like you've. Got to have everyone to have the machine, you know, operating well. Because no disrespect to Brett Cameron, and then Mitch Hunt in the second half when he came on with 30 minutes to go, they, they struggled. I think and their attack didn't flow that well, and um, the Waratahs' uh, defensive line, they weren't necessarily putting throwing that many numbers into the rack, um, but they were just had this one big wall, and and they really didn't actually look like uh, breaking through the Waratahs' defensive line. The blue wall. Yeah. The blue, blue wall. wall. You hear Nick Phipps, actually. You could just oh, always coming through the ref mic, Nick Phipps going, <laughs> yelling out, screaming out, blue wall, blue <laughs> yeah. wall. You almost get a headache at, at times. We've we've got, got a, shut
2: up, mate. <laughs> we've got a bit of a blue wall in here, don't we? Yeah. It just, it summed up, um, yeah, what, what really has been a very uh, topsy-turfy opening six weeks of the competition. My, my tips are absolutely atrocious. They're all over the show. We had uh, the previously uh, winless Chiefs um, destroying destroying the Bulls in South Africa. So, yeah, just some really, really unpredictable results. Like people were really down on the Waratahs a week ago, weren't they? And, and now everyone's singing their praises. So it's a, it's a fickle old business. And I think even more so in World Cup year when there's so many players rotating in and out, um, all, all this resting, you, you just don't know who's going to perform week to week, do you?
0: Exactly right. And so the Tars now have a chance to... Uh, show that they can be consistent, string some wins together when they take on the Sunwolves on Friday night in Newcastle. So just on that, let's catch up with the Sunwolves coach, Tony Brown. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Well, it is uh, terrific to welcome to the Fox Rugby podcast the Sunwolves coach and Japan's assistant coach, Tony Brown. Thanks for joining us and making some time for us, Tony. Uh, Pleasure. Um, Pretty stoked to to be asked, to
3: be honest. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, care for what you wish for, mate! <laughs> um, you may not feel the same way in a few minutes' time. So you're uh, you're hanging out at the beautiful surrounds of uh, of Coogee in Sydney, and uh, we're talking to you on a, a glorious Tuesday afternoon. Is this just a, a nice little way of easing into uh, into your tour of Australia? Yeah, one of the
3: highlights of um, playing Super Rugby in Australia is you always prepare in pretty good places, either at Manly or um, Coogee. So um, some boys are, have been enjoying the, the the sea, I guess,
2: and the, and the sights that, uh, down and around Coogee. Yeah. Tony, um, clearly a roller coaster ride for your team over the last week or so. You, you've got a pretty big job, um, I guess, dealing with the emotions of all these players and, and, and fellow staff. How's it been emotionally for the group?
3: Um, yeah, well, I think, you know, being involved with the Sunwolves now for a couple of years, it's a roller coaster um <laughs> every week. Um, you know, nothing's easy for the Sunwolves and um, you know, obviously with the devastating news that we're gonna be um out of the competition after in two twenty 220, um is very disappointing, but I think uh, the boys have you know accepted the the decision and are just looking to every game now, I suppose.
1: Yeah, Tony Christie here. What was the initial uh, reaction from the playing group, and, and, and were you together and found out at the same time, or, or did it just kind of slowly uh, filter across the news?
3: I think there's been quite a few rumours around um, for you know going on you know six months now, so it wasn't a, wasn't a big surprise. We were probably just hoping that. Um, you know, there was some slim chance that we could survive and and start to try and build build something that's going to be sustainable for years to come. But you know, as it is, it's you know we've got one one and a half years to try and do something meaningful. And, and you know, I think that's quite an exciting challenge as well if you look at look at it, look at it as a as a positive.
0: Who do you feel um, anger or resentment towards? Is it towards the um, Japanese rugby for not coming up or stumping up to to underwrite it? Is it is it towards Sansa for for pulling the pin on you? Or you know where where do you sort of target that anger? Um, I think yeah, I think there's so many so many things that that went on, and you know like even the South
3: Africans were you know just. Against having the Sunwolves involved, um, there's a bit of resentment from what happened at the, you know, World Cup very a few years ago, and it's a relationship just has been pretty, pretty rough um, ever since the Sunwolves have been involved with the Super Rugby. So um, there's so many things that, um, that were against the Sunwolves and you know, it wasn't really surprising that um, Sanders decided not to not to have them involved.
1: Yeah, Tony. I've I've read one or two things, and and you just made mention of the the twenty fifteen remarkable upset victory for Japan, uh, which really put rugby on the on the radar and the landscape there. Um, the, the the suggestion that South Africa um, had a bit of a vendetta against Japanese rugby after that. Are you able to extend upon what you mean by that exactly?
3: Oh, it wasn't so much the result of the game. It was more <laughs> the result of um, who was hosting. Uh, um, the World Cup in the future, so um, I think it's the next next World Cup. I think France um, beat out South, South Africa for the for hosting rights. Um, I think there's a little bit of bad blood there, and um, you know various things like that that count against some walls.
2: Mate, you're obviously involved with the, the national union, the national team as well. Um, with this decision, are they basically they're saying we back our our Top League um, to, to be sufficient In preparing players For Test Rugby Going forward And, and, and how, how do you View that at, Like the future Of the, the Test team The impact that the Sunwolves will, will have On that now
3: Yeah it's going to be A tough one I, I just can't see uh, Japan Top League Being as effective As a You know Sunwolves playing In the Super Rugby as, as preparing Guys for International Rugby I think The last Sort of three to four years, it's been huge for the Japanese development. As far as far as you know, players being able to test themselves against some of the best players in the world, and um, you know, it's going to be a shame not to have the, some walls involved in Super. And I think that Japanese rugby players are going to suffer because of that. And I just can't see the top league being a sufficient enough competition to challenge you know the top Japanese players.
0: With that in mind, it is ironic then that there's all this talk about uh, Japan potentially joining the rugby championship, you know, and or uh, this Nations Cup, should it come to pass, uh, should the, the Northern Hemisphere give that the nod. It's it's remarkable that, you know, they're going to be seeing more, potentially more top-flight test rugby just at around about the time that
3: the Sunwolves get axed. Yeah, that's right. And... You know, we've got, looking at Japan, you know, through my Japan glasses, um, I think, um, you know, we're we're pretty much primed to perform really well at the World Cup. And then the scary thing is, is after that, you know, what happens to Japan rugby because we've been building through super um, and then playing, obviously playing quality teams over the last three or four years as well. Um, you know, the Japan players are now not afraid of taking on international teams. But then if you take that away, away from the young guys coming through, and then they're only meeting these top players when they're taking on the Wallabies or the All Blacks or England or Ireland, teams like that, they're just not going to be ready. And, you know, that's a scary thing for Japan rugby going forward.
2: Tony, one of the criticisms of the Sunwolves was its heavy reliance on overseas players can you just explain why the the coaching staff or the management felt the need to have such a high um, presence because there was some weeks wasn't there where there was only about maybe three or four Japanese and uh, um, then in the starting team at least yeah I think um, well, definitely this year um, you know we've got we're
3: running with about 50 50 players, and we're running with two teams. So a lot of our top players are actually not going to play Super Rugby this year. Um, we feel as though the best way to get them ready for um, the World Cup is to, you know, give them a really good pre- good season and let them get their bodies right, and then you know, and then bring them back into international footy at the right time. Um, which means that you know they'll play in a in a second team and get get monitored a, a bit better around their workload. Um, so then, the reason why we've got a lot more foreigners this year is just to be able to do that and to manage our players sufficiently to have them, you know, coming at the at the World Cup.
1: Mm. Tony, does the decision to, to cut them make it? Is it more difficult in the fact that the the Sunwolves actually this year have been very very competitive in every one of their games?
3: Um, yeah, you know, I, I just think um, you know we've had a couple of consistent years around. You know the same sort of players involved in, in a similar sort of coaching setup and you know all of our staff is consistent from last year so we're, we're just getting better really as a team and a, as a high performance organization um, you know I don't think you'll see the Summers getting put to the sword by you know I think you know a couple of years ago they're losing maybe 80 90 points mm. um, I don't see that happening um, you know this year because just because of the continuity we've had over the last couple of years. Um, and, we, and we're, you know, we're always trying to improve and all the players want to, want to perform as well as they can and they want to make this team better. So I think we're just slowly getting there. And I think you see that in the performances so far this year and hopefully it'll continue and hopefully we can knock off you know, a few more sides.
1: Absolutely, you can see the passion on their faces and and the good crowds that are uh, particularly that are in mm-hmm. Tokyo. Um, ju- just how far do you think the, the Japanese side uh, can go at, at this year's World Cup, um, and can, can they build on the the success or the relative success of twenty fifteen? Um, I don't know about twenty fifteen,
3: but um, since. Jamie and myself have taken over. We've played some quality teams. Um, We've played uh, Wales and Cardiff. And, you know, it was 30-all until the last-minute top goal got in ahead of us. Then we played, um, you know, teams like the Wallabies and the All Blacks. Um, We also had a draw with France and um, Paris. Um, You know, we've played Ireland before. So the Japanese players are, you know, taking on all these all these teams that are that used to be quite scary for the for the Japanese, but now they're, they're not afraid of the challenge of taking on the top teams in the world, and they actually enjoy it now. And they know that they, if they get their preparation right and they play as well as they can, then they have got the ability to beat those teams. So you know, for for Japan rugby, it's exciting, and um, you know, as far as our prospects go at the World Cup, you know, there's no reason why we, we can't upset. You know, Scotland or Ireland um, to you know sneak through in the
0: quarters. It would be uh, amazing to see, and, and just one of those teams I think Japan is that uh, will make this coming World Cup so fascinating. It's a busy year for you. More immediately, of course, uh, you're in Australia to take on the Waratahs uh, in Newcastle on Friday night, and we know that you got close last time. Are you expecting a, a similar ding dong battle this time?
3: Yeah, well, I think so. Obviously, the um, the Wildcats will be pretty happy with themselves after awesome win against um, the Crusaders. Not many teams have been able to upset those guys in um, the last few years. So, um, you know, that's a, a pretty awesome result for Guillo and his boys. Um, as far as our chances go, I think, you know, if we get our game right, um, you know, and we, we, we try and move the Wildcats boys around a bit, then... Hopefully entice them into playing a bit of some old rugby, um, like we did in Tokyo. I think then we're going to, you know, potentially have a good old ding dong battle and something that would be quite entertaining.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Tony. It seems like week after week, uh, the games involving the Sunwolves are the most entertaining in the in the competition. That's probably another yeah, another reason why it would have been good to have them remain in the competition. But it, it, it just have, they have that knack, don't they? Um, I think the Waratahs talked all, all week um, about not getting sucked into that loose uh, style of rugby, but you guys seem to, to bring it out in the opposition every week. Yeah, that's right. And
3: uh, I think that's when we're really our strongest you know, it's always a challenge to take on, you know, teams that are really good at structured footy and try and entice them to play a little bit of unstructured rugby against us. Um and I think that's, you know, a bit of I guess the mastery of, of our coaching team is to find ways to, you know, get the Rohatars to have a bit of a go against us and use that as it to our advantage and you know hopefully, you know, create lots of counter turnover and quick tap opportunities.
1: Yes, but speaking of those opportunities, Tony, when you were at the Highlanders with Jamie, you, you played a very expansive open game and the kicking aspect is certainly at the forefront of the Highlanders' attack uh, and, and that's been carried through to the, the Sunwolves in Japan. When you look at Australian rugby and the way that Australian rugby teams attack, what do you, what do you see? Do you, do you think that there's um, – and, and maybe the Waratahs particularly considering that the, the large part of that spine is with the Wallabies – um, how how would you assess Australia's attack?
3: Yeah, well, uh, interesting because like when I was with the Hollanders, I think um, you know the Australian teams tended to hold the ball for a long time, and they always believed that that was the way to win games of rugby. Um, and I felt as though that we always had an advantage here because we just knew what they were going to do, and um, you know, and then you could plan around that and and put them under real pressure. Um, but from what's happened in you know, the last couple of years, and definitely um, the, the development of the Waratahs rugby, is, the kicking game has become a real weapon for them. And when you've got, obviously, guys like Israel Folau, the aerial game is now a massive part of the Waratahs game as well. So, but they developed their game hugely in the last couple of years, and they're actually um, playing a lot more like, I suppose, the Highlands, did a few years ago and and a little bit like the Summers play now so that's why I think you know we can we can get it and tie them into our sort of footy and I think they want to play that top style of game as well so um, you know it's going to be exciting to watch I think if if both teams tend to um, give the ball a bit of air I know that
2: uh, Dan Pryor after the game and, and yourself um, not not using this terrible news as any excuse, but is motivation going to be difficult for a long season ahead? And then also the, the fact that Sanzars kept the sun, the Sunwolves in the competition next year. I mean, do you think would, would it have been easier just to make that cut at, at the end of this this season, realistically? Um, yeah, I th-
3: well, I think it's yet to be. Um, it yet to be proven but I think next year it's going to be really tough for the Sunwolves to put a quality side together when there's no future. Um, you know they don't have a lot of players signed up for that next year's season. Um, and then the top league's going to conflict with the super rugby so you know, it's going to be a massive challenge for the um, for some walls you know um, contracting people to put a competitive side together.
1: Well, uh, Tony, just to, to finish up, uh, I know it's been a rather serious uh, conversation, and uh, I, I'm going to try to lighten things up a little bit at the moment. But uh, have you, are you wearing your hat currently at the moment? Because when we when we look at Wolves matches and Japanese matches, we we see the hat on each each week.
3: Oh, no, not at the moment. Cheese cutter tends to be a bit of a good luck um, good luck charm that I just started adopting back in the Highlanders days and. Every now and then, I buy a new one and um, put it on for the game. But, no, it's all packed away, ready for said that Yeah. Friday well, night.
0: We'll look forward to seeing that on Friday night. And, Tony, it's remarkable. If this was television, you would be able to understand the irony of Christy asking you about fashion. It's, uh, <laughs> it is quite incredible to think that he's even got a view <laughs> on it. <laughs>
3: Oh, it's good. Yeah. Right. Right. I um, wouldn't say I was the, um, the most fashionable
0: person, so I wouldn't follow anything that I do. No, man, uh, you, you're setting a trend with that hat. Uh, there's a great deal of interest around this table. Um, hey, thanks for joining us on uh, on the Fox Rugby podcast. And, and I think on behalf of – I think you know, uh, or you, you should know <coughs> that um, – Australian fans have loved watching and will continue to love watching the Sunwolves over the remainder of this season and, and into next. Um, you know, for a lot of Aussie rugby fans, the Sunwolves have become their second team. We've enjoyed it very much and uh, and you've been a big part of that.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, cheers. And, um, you know, I know the boys love playing, playing the style that we're playing. And, you know, if we can get a little bit more consistent with the few, the few things, we can 100% beat a lot of the teams in this competition. So that's a pretty good challenge for us and obviously now we've got nothing to lose and sometimes there's a dangerous beast and, um, you know, there will better be our focus going forward.
0: Exactly right. And you get to test that theory uh, in Newcastle on Friday night. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast.
3: Cheers, good,
0: good to have Tony Brown on the uh, Fox Rugby podcast and, yeah, he is a busy man, obviously, with the Sunwolves and the rest of their season and then rolling straight into uh, his Japan duties. I know that he's uh, been toing and froing between the the two, and early on in the season, wasn't actually coaching the Sunwolves; was just uh, acting more of an assistant. Um, the cheese cutter reference—I didn't know that—that's what that hat's called, the cheese cutter. That's a very Peaky Blinders, uh, you know, you know, the Peaky Blinders. Christy, believe it or not I don't mate, but oh, no. can I just I would like oh. to find out why it's
1: called the cheese cutter, number 1 and number 2 Nicholas. I can't believe you just brought up fashion around me as well. That's ridiculous and and now Tony Brown's going to be left with the thought that I don't dress well. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, <laughs> Look truth see, uh,
0: truth is a defense, your honor
2: yeah no the the think the cheese cut is a bit of a New Zealand term. I can only assume that it 's to do with the sort of uh relatively sharp edge to the to the uh, peak of the the cat, but yeah, what a, what a fashion statement it is from Tony that those lovely blonde curls that he had one, once upon a time of probably starting to thin out a little bit. I wasn't going to say that on air, so <laughs> wow, he's uh, he's 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 slipped the cheese cutter on and uh, long may it continue. I think Christy, you'll, you'll be getting around it probably in the not too distant future.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've worn one in the past. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, can I link those two be- because of the He's got one at home. He revealed before. Right. He doesn't know. What I thought you were did. talking about getting around it because of the lack of. Come hair. on, mate. Right. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, That's not what I'm,
2: you meant. I'm not one to to no, attack uh, over here. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, some good some some good discussion. He was pretty forthright, wasn't he? he um, was? About about a range of of issues. Um, yeah, clearly, pretty pretty clearly, putting the finger at South Africa there for. Um, ha- having the, the lion's share of, of blame for, for the Sunwolves no longer being here and also mm. some interesting comments on Australia being quite predictable to, to game plan against back in the day.
0: How good would it be if all countries across the rugby world actually acted in the best interest of the game and not in their best interests? How
2: yeah. good would that be? Yeah,
0: well, that, it's, it's
2: been a hot topic, hasn't it? I think it uh, might have been Paul Cully that wrote about it. That, that you know, It's a competition that's... That doesn't have its own um, management or CEO, or it's it's obviously run by people with uh, competing interests. So yeah, I think that ideally the time has come that Super Rugby needs to be more of a standalone competition that that uh, is, is pushing its own agenda to, to compete against the likes of NRL, AFL, rather than having a bob each way as it, as it is at the moment.
0: Mm. And and obviously there's been some comment about well why why. Japan, why not? Or why the Sunwolves? Why not uh, the Haguares? And, of course, Argentina is a full member of Sansa, uh, whereas and Japan is just the an associate member. And cha-
1: World Rugby Chairman who
0: or, or Deputy or Chairman, deputy chairman yeah. that
1: might be uh, have a pretty vested interest there. But you're right. There's, there's also the fact that the, the, the World League Nations, Nations Cup, whatever you want to be calling it, they're mm. changing the name every second week at the moment but um, clearly the, the Six Nations sides uh, aren't keen on promotion
0: relegation um, for fear of loss of money in particularly Ireland and Scotland from what you read so. Indeed. Um, Alright so we've covered off I think the Sunwolves and the Tars uh, there is a big local derby though Saturday night uh, in the form of the Reds and the Rebels and I guess the headline act or certainly one of the big stories leading into that is Quade Cooper returning to a place where he spent 15 or so years uh, being Brisbane, uh, Brisbane boy, uh, did not leave under the best circumstances. You would imagine there would be just a little bit of extra fire in that belly uh, to want to play well against his old side.
2: Yeah, 100%, and it sets up really nicely, doesn't it, that result uh, on Sunday, the the Reds winning. That's um, going to get some interest uh, happening up, up there in Brisbane, and, and yeah, there's just – market as dreamers and it's such an obvious storyline of Quade uh, returning against the, the coach that's punted him so yeah I, I expect a, a big crowd and it'll be a great uh, occasion for Australian rugby I think uh, the Rebels smarting from from their poor results but they'll no doubt be lining up a, a full strength team Dave Vessels will have all those big guns back so yeah can't, can't wait for it
1: yeah, you're right. A promoter's dream, and the Reds are going to be probably going into this one with a bit of confidence. Back-to-back victories, and they they've got some young players that are really starting to to show what they're about. Tate McDermott doing excellently. You look at Hamish Stewart, even at fullback, is you know in previous years he's struggled at at 15, but in the last two weeks he's he's performed very well, and, and you've got a guy like Isaac Lucas who's coming off the bench as well. So it's, it's his kind of young fire-end players that are going to be coming up
0: against the old stages. I think we knew that their defence would be good with Pete Ryan there, and you know we hear the guys say all the time defence is about attitude – um, so that wasn't overly surprising how good their defence was on the weekend, but there were signs that their kicking game had improved and that had been one of the big criticisms early in the season, so got things heading in the right direction there. So there are these little things that are just starting to happen um, and and maybe things are going a little more according to plan than anyone's given the Reds a credit for up until now.
2: Yeah, look, it it is just one game, so you need to be careful not to overreact. Sure. But it was, yeah, it was, it was. They were ticking the boxes across the across the field, weren't they? Bryce Higgerty's kicking game was absolutely outstanding, as he touched upon. He kept finding space and was, I think, the uh, the referee got, got sick of his chat there for a while. But he was taking a real leadership role there. You know, Samu leads by example, doesn't he? But Bryce, um, probably more of an actual talker. So yeah, those two things uh, worked really well, and, and yeah, they took the Brumbies on um, at their own game with with the mall as well. So, so, they, yeah, they nailed, nailed it across the, the park. I guess the big problem, the issue with young teams historically is the, you know their performance ebbs and flows, and I think that will, yeah. that will continue to, to happen. So whether they can back up. Um, yeah, I, I, so I wonder how
1: much Quade, he, in the first month of rugby, he really underplayed his hand. And on the weekend, without Will Genia, he certainly started getting more hands on the ball and running to the line a little bit more. How are you play against the Reds? Will you want it to be the Quade show, or or let Will Genia run things around, and he you just you know put the polishing touches on it? Or
0: well, I think that what we've seen, you're right, it equates to a more mature, uh, more circumspect Quade Cooper. Um, and if he takes that into the game, and and we see him just underplay his his hand, like you mentioned, I, I think that will be probably the best result for the Rebels. The
1: other element of this game, I think, is intriguing. Is Tate McDermott's this young nine that everyone's got some some pretty big um, wow. They're, they're thinking he's he potentially a bolter this year for the World Cup. Um, but there's on the other end of the thing, Will, will Genia, who's hasn't signed a contract for Australian rugby next year, wants to stay in Australian rugby. But Rugby Australia are thinking, who's the next man? Who's the, what's the future? And they're thinking Tate McDermott. So Will Wilgenia will be thinking, I want to show that I've still got two, three years of my best rugby ahead of me.
0: Well, you mentioned Wallaby selections, and of course Scott Johnson lands in Australia this week, and um, and then he will be on the ground, as we understand it, in Brisbane on Saturday night, having a good look at uh, what stocks there are. So he's obviously turning his mind to Wallaby selections. I know you guys are keen to uh, discuss that today. And we did a a thing on Super Saturday a couple of weeks ago where uh, we had Wallaby Watch basically predicting a, a Wallaby uh, 15 heading forward. And, and to get things started, we based it all on stats. So out of the Fox Lab, they ran the stats from Super Rugby over that the first five crunching weeks. Numbers crunching numbers hard, weren't they? Crunching Oof. numbers. And, and that's what they came up with. I think you guys had it on the website as well, foxsports.com.au. And as a progression of that on the weekend, we had uh, our experts, George Gregan and Rod Kafer, name their Wallaby 15. So, so it's a bit of, you know, selectors hat on, bit of gut feel, bit of history, comes into it, just tweaking things a little bit. So that that was that progression. Um, not sure whether you guys saw that, but in terms of, of bolters and how your 15 is looking at this stage, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, well, the teams that we drew up today, for me anyway, uh, James Slipper is, is playing really, really good rugby and, and to me he should be the starting lucid um, if, if the Wallabies were to play a, a test tomorrow. Scott CO he, he's got all the potential. He's got the right frame. He, he looked like he was going to be a world beater, but he's just sort of plateaued the last couple of seasons. For me, he hasn't been particularly dominant. So, yeah, I think Slipper just looks so hungry, doesn't he? And it's a, a theme um, w- with all those Reds guys that were punted with Quaid and Carmichael just looking so hungry. So, yeah, to me, to kick things off, I'd have, have Slipper starting at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, we, we actually, uh, the type five, we've only had one. Uh, difference there. I've actually started with Scotty sayer and I'll I'll say why I'm having a James Slipper come off the bench. Um, but the the other members of the type five would be I think we're both starting with Falea Ianger at Hooker and on the other side of, of the equation Alan Alatoa um starting at tight head and then the two locks, Isaac Rodder and
0: um and Roy, Roy Arnold. Arnold from the uh, Brumbies. So yeah. got Coleman on the bench? I do. I, I don't yeah. think Christie does.
1: Yeah I've I've left him out. I've got Lucan there and and I think he's someone who is just exceeding at the moment in the second row. I think he's more of a second rower than he is a, a blind side where he's probably not quite as suited and knows the role quite as well. But with the, with the bench, I'm going with with uh, with Slipper, Tolulatu and Tanula Tupa. and I just think the young and the old of Tanula and Slipper you know, Slipper taught basically Taniela how to scrum. So I think the two of them will complement each other well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Taniela's just – he's had a funny start to the season, hasn't he? He was very dominant last year, but he, he's he been up and down and he's had a couple of uh, tough outings. He was having trouble holding on to the ball and, and quite getting his running game going as well as some, some scrum issues. So, yeah, he's still a young man, of course.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody would particularly mind that provided he's learning every time that he that he runs out there if he's learning a lesson and I imagine he probably did uh against the Brumbies on the weekend so that, you know that in terms of development that's not a bad thing um neither of you have mentioned Rob Simmons and I know that uh, George Gregan had Rob Simmons in his uh starting 15 and obviously line-out prowess um, feeds into that uh, and w- what are your thoughts there yeah, yeah he look, had a reasonably... Yeah, he had yeah, his best game actually pretty good game yeah been some uh, time against on the, the crusaders yeah
2: yeah, look, he, he can do it occasionally. But, yeah, I, I just don't think he quite cuts it physically against the, the better packs in world rugby in terms of having that uh, presence around the field and, and winning the, the collisions. So, yeah, while, while his line-out expertise, that's the reason he does get picked, Um, I yeah, I, I just like to think he could get that from, you know, Rodder, um, Coleman, um, the, these guys you know, they're going to have to do that job um, as they develop in their careers. So I think just to call the line out is probably not enough of a, a reason to, to to pick the bloke for me.
1: Well, Isaac Roder has got so much leadership about him as well and he's he's doing it all at the Reds. I'm learning under Brad Thorne the best in the business, basically. So I, I think Roder has huge future. What's your back
0: line look like? Was there much contention there?
2: Yeah, well uh, the, the competition at the number 10 as we've been talking about all, all season, that's red hot, so I've, I've stuck with Foley and, and Quade on the bench but Christy, you've gone further afield for your starting
1: Maddie Matty Tamura, I think at 10 and, and Quade off the bench at this stage, I think Bernard, we know what he can do. I think if you're looking at a test for the first one against South Africa you want to learn a little bit more about Quaid, and you want to learn a bit more about Matty Tamua, too. And I think Tamua didn't play, he played inside Bernard Foley last year in those last couple of tests. Bernard Foley's not a 12. Uh, we need to see Matt Tamua play inside a, a proper 12-13 combination It's going to be an interesting dynamic when Tamua does arrive doesn't he if, if
2: Quade's still playing well and Billy Meeks is there um, how they actually use it I guess it'd be a very good, good problem to have for Dave Vessels if they are in finals contention um, but yeah an interesting one and then and further afield I, I've gone uh, Karevi and kurandrani the, the power packed midfield it's far from perfect but I think I've seen enough from Karevi um, with, with his skills improving and his defence improving that, that 12 probably is his best Position and um, then you get a bit more playmaking from from the guys I picked out, out wide and haylett Petty and and Jack Maddox being able to offer a bit of a bit of ball playing and I think uh, you you had a late change in the centres didn't you you had you had the same as me until a until a late scratching you were arguing arguing with yourself upstairs
1: certainly was Karevi though at twelve I think we're settled on that the Karevi look there's no surprise that the Reds' two best performances have been with Karevi at twelve when they nearly beat the Highlanders and then they smashed the Brumbies on the weekend Karevi both times there at twelve. But I've gone with AAC, Adam Ashley Cooper at 13. I think just his experience, the fact that he's such a good communicator, there are still questions on Karevi's defence. We know how good potent he is in attack, but you know whether or not he can actually... It's why he's probably struggled at 13 at test level previously. Um, so Adam Ashley Cooper at 13. Kirtley Beal, therefore, at full-back, because I think you need a, an extra playmaker in there who can pop into first or second receiver. And then I've got flair on the right wing uh, and Sefa Naivalu for his just... Speed and finishing ability on the left wing.
0: Is it possible? And and, you know, I think twelve is one of potentially one of the most uh, up for grabs positions in in the team. Is it possible, based on defensive prowess, that we might see Carmichael hunt at twelve? Strong chance, and I've got him on my
1: bench. But I I think, yeah, definitely. I wrote I wrote today that Carmichael. you, You look at these impact that he's providing each week, and clearly he missed the Brumbies game, and the Waratahs were dreadful in attack. Came on the bench off the bench on the weekend. His first hit up, he ends up hurting the the, the hooker, um, and Tom Sanders, you know the, the the loose forward from the Crusaders as well. But with his power and dynamism in attack, and then just how much starch and his communication in defence, he's got a lot of things going for him. There's no doubt about it. Yeah,
2: it's funny. He's completely fearless, very physical, but us. Lacks that bulk To I think at, at test level To to really Consistently get over The advantage line If you're going to use them In that sort of role So there's, there's so much Competition for those Utility type spots I think with Hunt Ashley Cooper Reece Hodge Curtly Beal Jack Maddox How do you Yeah how do you Fit them all into into a squad but yeah I mean it, it's clear that the Wallabies selectors now with O'Connor coming on board and Johnson joining Checker the first thing they have to do is come up with a very clear plan of, of how they're going to play rather than picking players and, and working backwards from that mm. because there's just it, it it's chalk and cheese isn't it, Karevi or Beal at 12, yeah, it's yeah. a completely different style of play, so that's the that's clearly the first thing they need to work out of how what's, very what, what, very good point, what's yeah. their identity uh, in, in a World Cup year.
0: And no Dane Halet-Petty in your back three either, Christy? No, I don't have him in my 23 at the moment, actually. Something against Hyphens? Oh,
1: no, you've got Ashley Cooper in there, I'll take that back. Indeed, yeah, indeed. The, the one, or the back row, we didn't, Discuss, but the two of us have gone with Pocock at eight, Hooper at seven, and then a difference at six. I've gone with Luke Jones at six, and, and Sam, you've gone with
2: Lucan Salakai yeah, the artist formerly known as, as Tui. So I think he, he has had some good performances at blindside at test level already, um, as has Jack Dempsey, but I think Lucan's just got a bit more size and, and line out prowess. So again, it's Pocock and Hooper, it's, it's, it's an awkward fit, isn't it? Um, I really but, wonder
0: but, whether that's Going to be one of the things that that changes because I know that's a Michael Checker preference. Not sure We've already heard o- O'Connor's the,
2: has openly said Yeah, yeah I'm going to You know th- These things are going to be raised Pocock is a seven clearly yeah. um, But <laughs> the bloke's the captain So I think I think we've Check has come this far with, with obviously Hooper Is his captain in seven That That's, that's just not going to change And and Pocock did um, Make some good strides Last year I thought In rounding out his game With with better ball carrying And, and ball playing
1: as well At, at, at number eight And so. the, o- the other issue That the Wallabies have had For a few years Is they haven't been able to Find a replacement For Scott Fardy So once you nail down that Whether whether or not it is Salakai Loto or, or Luke Jones or Ned Hannigan or Jack Dempsey, they've got to figure that out pretty quickly. All right. So, why, don't, uh, why, don't we get, why don't we get the uh, people that are listening in to, to pick your 15s, your 23s, send them in either on Twitter or on iTunes and uh, throw snap, up some snap combinations. Snapface? No. You, snap oh, you, you,
2: snap. you can try it. I don't think it will go far <laughs> on Snapface, but by all means give it a go.
0: Excellent. Look forward to hearing that. And just on that, and I know we've said this two weeks in a row, but uh, the understanding is, Christy, I think that uh, Railing Castle will be uh, in for a chat in, uh, in the coming week or so. So um, fingers crossed that uh, we have a chat with her and, and ask some of those questions that have been sent in as well. Um, great to catch up with Tony Brown today. Looking forward to uh, his Sunwolves going head-to-head with the Tars in Newcastle. That's a big night in Newcastle. They've sold... Uh, a good amount of tickets. I know uh, corporate support is is very good for the game on, on Friday night and uh, and the Hunter and the, the Hunter region will be uh, looking forward to that very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll be up there, won't you? We will, indeed. You'll good. see it all, every moment. No ads. Whistle to whistle in high definition right here <laughs> on Fox Sports. Hey, guys, thanks very much for that. I'll see you soon.